What's up, witches? Welcome back to a guest episode at the Corporate Coven, a podcast for witches at work. In this episode, I am speaking with Heather Anderson. Heather and I explain how we know each other and how we were introduced on the episode. The first time I met Heather, there was just an immediate connection. And the more we got to know each other, we realized similarities in our current lives, but also in our backgrounds and growing up in Utah and getting into HR, getting into all things witchy. And it was really fun to connect on those levels. And I felt very strongly the first time I met her, like, Heather, I want to get you on my podcast. I would love to share you with my listeners there. I think that they would love your work. They'd be so interested and curious about you and like how you practice. And then I got to listen to Heather speak and she shared a presentation on accelerating your career in human resources. And I was like, oh, she is dynamic. She is brilliant. And in that presentation, she was very open about her relationship with witchcraft and how she practices and what it means to her and actually how it influences her work. And I, again, immediately resonated. And I just thought, wow, this is very much like the energy that I'm trying to cultivate in this community. And I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. Heather and I had a lot of rescheduling to record it because we are busy professionals. We are moms. We have side hustles and, you know, things that we do. And so getting together and recording the episode was a lot. And then it's been, you know, just like going through the lineup and prioritizing other things that getting this recorded and putting it on here, but it's here now. It's here now. And it's a really fun energy to a time of year that has actually been really activating. So I think that listening to a chaos switch will be really useful for everyone in this current astrology and in this current moment of time as I'm releasing the episode. So let me quickly read Heather's bio and then I'll get you into the episode. Heather is a seasoned HR professional and fellow witch from work. She has a background in compliance and employment law with a passion for learning and mentoring. She has experience in the transportation, security, and construction industries and specializes in HR cleanup. I know exactly what she means there. <laughs> oh. Okay, she holds a SHRM CP, has a bachelor's degree in human resource management, and is getting her Juris Master's in employment law. She's also been a solitary practitioner for 23 years and works with chaos magic, deities, divination, and the moon. In this episode, I ask Heather a ton of questions about her current practice and how she got into it, the resources that inspire her. And she shares a ton. And so I'm going to be linking everything that she's referencing in the show notes of this episode. If you're interested in deck recommendations or books or anything like that, Heather shares a ton there. And of course, I'm going to share Heather's social media in the show notes as well. And I definitely recommend you check her out and give her a follow. She is always in the know of the coolest, latest and greatest and most interesting creators in the witchy community. So you better check her out. Okay, let's get into the episode. Hi, Heather. Hi. Hi, welcome to the Corporate <laughs> Coven podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Yay, finally. <laughs> I know, listeners don't know this, but you and I have scheduled and rescheduled, and we've we've had to reschedule a lot, but I feel like that's also just the life of a human resources professional right now our calendars are more volatile than uranus 
And yes. that's just what we're living in. <laughs> it is it is a constant fire. It's a bonfire. All the time. Of, of yeah. cluster. <laughs> but we're here now, we're recording, and I'm so excited for this conversation. But before we get too far into it, um, I would have already read your bio, but would you like to, in your own words, introduce yourself to the corporate coven? Sure. So I am a chaos witch. Um, I specialize in uh, like oracle cards and divination. Um, I work very closely with my ancestral heritage and the deities as part of that. So not so much my ancestors, but my actual ancestral heritage. Um, And I am also an HR professional. I am a law student um, getting ready to go hopefully get my JD and actually become an attorney, which is a lifelong goal for me. Um, And I am just super passionate about like justice and people being treated fairly and just respect as a whole um, for the communities. It's, It's kind of my thing. It is your thing. And we've talked extensively about your birth chart. And I just hear so much of that reflected in the way that you introduce yourself. (laughs) I have all of my guests put their big three into my intake form because it's helpful for me to kind of get an idea, right, of the energy that I'm going to be working with on the podcast guests. But do you want to introduce yourself through your natal chart, your sun, moon, and rising? So my sun is Taurus. Um, and that's in my 11th house. And it was really interesting. So you think you talked once about bulls taking over spaces and that is absolutely true. Um, when I move in, I move in, I like to have my things around me. Um, and I, I very, very stubborn. I am absolutely the stubborn bull. Um, my moon is in Libra, um, which is absolutely my chart ruler in my fourth house. And it is, a huge, huge influence on not just my life, but my practice as a whole. Um, and then my rising is a cancer, which like when I found that out really kind of blew me away. But then I went, oh, so that's why I'm an emotional wreck all the time. And <laughs> like, like, that's why I'm a big boob. It's fine. Like, that's okay, nice. that makes sense. That's why I care so much. Got it. <laughs> I'm remembering the first time that you and I ever met Heather, we were in a meeting and we were sitting close to each other. I think I picked you because like your tattoos were showing and I was like, okay, another tattooed person in the state of Utah. I'm going to go sit by them. And you commented on my nails. I had mountains painted on my nails at the time. And then I Mm -hmm. saw your Taurus tattoo on your hand. Yeah. And we had this immediate connection of like, you love um, nature, you love astrology, we can be besties. And I remember Elisa was actually, Elisa Garnsey was like, did two witches just become friends? I know. She's (laughs) like, did you guys just witch out together? Like, yeah. Totally witched out. (laughs) And it's just been history ever since. It's been a few years now that we've been in each other's professional networks but we're also friends and we share a lot of our journey through exploring ritual and the craft together yeah and I, I love being able because your practice is so different from mine yeah um and our journeys have been so different you know what 
where we still kind of grew up in those same social circles. Um, you know, we grew up in that same religion and left the yeah. same religion um, to really find this peace that, you know, within our own spiritual practices um, has been very fascinating. It's been really nice to be able to communicate with someone that knows the struggles that I went through and has yeah. come out on the other side, but just in a different way. And and that's honestly been um, wonderful because after I met you and we started learning more about astrology, it really opened my eyes to fully understand who I was, not just as a person, but as a professional and why I was drawn to certain things in my practice. And it's really been that guiding star for me ever since. Yeah. You and I really do. And this is one thing that I, I love having you in my network because we do have different preferences on like the way that we practice the craft. Do you want to share, I mean, you did in your bio, like the Oracle and some of the deity work, but how did you get into it? Like, especially like Utah witches, a lot of us have um, some type of relationship with the dominant religion out here and the way that we kind of discover an alternative form of worship and spirituality is unique. So how did you find your current practices like what did it look like to bring those into your life so going back to the early 2000s yeah. <laughs> like I you know grew up in a very heavily religious family with the dominant religion here in Utah um, and I just wasn't connecting with it and I felt like I needed to try something different um, so I actually went and got a book from the library because I was a total bookworm. Oh, yeah. Um, and I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's by Silver Raven Wolf. And it was like young or teen witch, I think is what it was. And, you know, because back then, all the eclecticness that we have today didn't exist. It was all Wicca. It was all Wicca based. It was mm -hmm. very, very much still that um, ritualistic organized religion type but it was mm -hmm. all about nature so I was reading a lot of it and it was resonating but it wasn't fully hitting me correctly so you know I had gotten a couple tarot cards um, that I just had really been drawn to and kind of kept them over the years and went back and forth between different types of churches here in Utah and then really it was um, when I got with my current husband um, that I finally felt that safe space of finally being able to really develop myself and develop my craft and being accepting that this is who I was and starting to really do a lot of research because mm -hmm. unfortunately there's not a whole lot of group and community um, out in this part of the world. Um, and I've read Coven's, you know, I've, I had heard of, there were a couple people that I met through um, a local haunt here um, at Fear Factory, which that's a funny story. Remind me to tell you about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so I was with them quite a bit, but they were a lot of older ladies. Like they were in that crone phase when I was still in the mother phase. I had a young child and that was really difficult to be able to participate in a lot of things that they did. So I, again, continued to go back. But as I started to do that research, I recognized um, that I had a special connection with animals, that I was drawn to certain animals. And um, finally, just accepting that that's part of who I was, I was just going to go for it. So I started 
with um, buying myself an updated tarot deck, an updated um, oracle deck that was actually Victoria Francis's Favoli. Yeah. She's an amazing artist. If you've not heard of her, look her up. Oh my gosh, she is so talented. Favorite by far. And those decks just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I really started to discover that that was a knack that I had, that I was a very good um, vessel for whatever message that spirit wanted to provide either to me or to someone else. Um, so I really just started to deep dive into it. And um, I'd always been drawn to working with deities. Like I had a little bast statue that I would keep around, um, but then learning more about it as I went through my years, I've really worked very closely um, with Hecate and her name's pronounced like 10 different ways. I, I pronounce it Hecate, but I, I never know the right way to say it. I looked it up once on YouTube. <laughs> it's supposed to be like Hecate. Um, yeah. Or some, it, there's like a twinge in there that I don't, I can't say because I don't have the Greek accent down, That's but right. it's, um, but she's always been there. And then I noticed like, you know, I have a key tattooed on my wrist and mm -hmm. I've always been attracted to black dogs and all these other things. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And I've always been attracted to the moon and all of a sudden the moon goddesses start coming into my life. So like at my desk at work, I have a cute little um, statue of Celine who's holding a little selenite ball, mm -hmm. which is encompassing of the moon. And, you know, really started looking into Artemis and, and feeling her, which was interesting because as I got into ancestry, that evolved into, oh, there's a, a Lithuanian goddess. Um, she's more of a deity that was the goddess of the forest. And I am absolutely an earth person. Like you yes. put me in the mountains. I am a happy camper. Yeah. Um, and then as I developed even more into my career, it was like, oh my gosh, like Athena is this goddess of justice and wisdom and strategy and she's like the patron goddess for lawyers and yeah <laughs> you know, it's like here I am and the more and more I got to know them um the more and more I fell in love with them so now with my practice it's very much more like I'm working with Athena especially as I'm working through like my schooling and looking at my career um, but I'm also very Nordic in my mm -hmm. ancestry, um, lots of um, Norwegian, Sweden type with like a little bit of German. So I have Frigga there as to help me with that mother aspect. Because mm -hmm. um, one of the big things in my life is career. Yeah, I've got Aries in my 10th house and million other things in there. So you it's like a million things going on in your 10th house. Yeah. So it's always been that career home struggle. And you kind of hit the nail on the head the other day where it, it is really hard. I have to remember to keep my kids in the forefront. So I keep Friga on my altar all the time. Um, so that we, I remember, you know, that I need to be that mom. I need to be there with my kids. I need to be there with my husband. Um, but then I have a special place for, for Hecate because she has been with me my whole life. Like every time yeah. I've turned around, she's been there. Um, and so that's really kind of put into it. But I've also discovered over the years, I don't like organized religion. I don't. Yeah. Um, and I've tried rituals. I've tried like little things. And even in the smallest sense of like waking up and doing your facial, like wash your face and th those easy rituals of self-care, I struggle with. Um, and I found out very quickly early on that really I was more of a chaos witch, which is interesting because there's not a lot of information out there about it. But essentially the big thing of that is 
is that you do what feels right for you at that time. So like, I, I mm. don't have a designated athme. I don't have a designated cup that I use. Um, you know, I don't have, I may not have candles, but that I feel makes me more fluid. I can yeah. adapt to whatever's happening. Um, and I really yeah. try to keep that in my everyday. It kind of made me think of the word agile. Like it makes you a very agile which like it's it's interesting because and I don't know if you feel this way but being in human resources like we both work in these worlds which are very like compliance heavy and there's a lot of like regulations that we have to be aware of there's like HIPAA and employment law and and all of these things but at the same time like we're most successful in our role when we can be adaptable and agile and when we um kind of just like roll with the punches. And so hearing the way that you incorporate that into your craft as well. And I I love it too, because I don't know, I think it's easy. Like when, when you come from a belief system, which is so beholden to like leveraging guilt and shame as a way to encourage compliance to Mm -hmm. a preferred standard of behavior or worship then when even when you're out of it like when you're born to that and you have that like ingrained in you and you see it everywhere around you then even when you transition into other belief systems or you move into like work environments or you transition into other areas of your life sometimes it's still really easy to be like I'm not doing it the right way like I'm not worshiping the right way and that's something that I cherish so much about our friendship is number one, I never feel like I'm doing my craft the wrong way. I never feel like, oh my gosh, like it's not as good. I should be doing it this way. Like you're so real in the way that you approach it. And I know some of that also comes from, like, I know you've shared with me before that you've brought your children with you into some of like the practices as well and being flexible Mm -hmm. to kind of like let them experience how you work. But then the other thing that I love, and you, you mentioned this as you were sharing, but you really are a research queen. Like that's one where, and I don't, and, and I love it so much. Um, and I was hoping that you would bring up the Lithuanian deity that you shared with me like some time ago when you found her. Cause I just thought, man, like, um, it was a moment where I recognized that I had a very shallow understanding of deity work and not in a way that I felt shame around, but just in a way of like, there is so much out there. And especially when it comes to, um, reconnecting with that heritage and that ancestral line, um, that's just something that I look to you and I'm always like really inspired, but that's, that's so like you're a Libra moon and the ruler of your chart in the fourth, right? Like your relationship with, your family and your lineage and your ancestry. I mean, that's something that I think shines so brightly through you. I'm curious, Heather, like you mentioned that you have statues and I know you have like an altar space at home. What are some other things that you do to kind of incorporate the deity work like I'm someone where I've told you I like the idea of like working with my deities and I'll have like maybe moments and like rituals especially like around lunations Mm -hmm. but what are like everyday things that me or someone else could do to kind of like engage that part of a practice so uh like with Friga for example um she is like the mother right so just by being a mom 
you're celebrating her. Um, you know, she's also like a very hearth and home type witch. And like, I am very much like, you know, Taurus, I'm a homebody. Sure. My home is in my safe space. Um, so just like cleaning my house, like putting intention into the cleaning of my house, it makes my house feel so that like so so good you know and we all love clean houses right like we come yeah. home and it's nice and it's just breathing and it's oh, it's wonderful mm. those are little things that I do every day um ironically like I've been having um a little bit of a hard time recently just being like with my self-love um mm. because to that point where you know we did grow up in a religion that was very much focused on guilt and shame. And when I was starting my shadow work, one of the questions that I asked was, um, what, like, when you think of your childhood, what stands out? And in memories, you don't necessarily remember, like, events or specific things. You remember the feelings, you remember the smells, you remember how you felt in those moments. And when I looked back on my childhood, it was covered in shame. Mm. Like there were so many key core memories of mine that were just shame. And so I've um, started working with um, Aphrodite a little bit to be more about self-love. So I have a little Aphrodite statue next to my bed and yeah. practicing, um, like listening to a motivational, my husband actually gave me this phenomenal motivational talks that he listens to every day. And it's about an hour and a half long, but each one of these talks are about like maybe five, six minutes. Um, and so I listened to it on my way into work and just listening to that. And because even if you feel stupid saying those positive affirmations, just doing something for you, whether it is your skincare routine or it is um, going out and being a mom or mm -hmm. it's, you know, doing a random act of kindness or listening to a motivational speak, you know, like giving yourself that grace. Um, that's all self-love work. And that's, you know, something you can do with your different deities, yeah. um, you know, Aphrodite particularly, like uh, Athena is, you know, goddess of wisdom. She's all about strategy. So I look at it as like, well, right now we're going through a company strategic change and we're developing an HR strategy, but I'm also developing my strategy of like, okay, I want to become a lawyer. So how am I going to do that? And, yeah. um, you know, working with her and honoring her. So I'll look at easy things like incense. Um, cause I always talk about, you know, offerings and offerings and people will be like, yeah, I leave an offering for my goddess or my deity or my God. And they'll leave little pieces of food out and then they'll go put it in their backyard and bury it. Um, I don't have that option. So I light incense. So I went and got, um, I actually listened to um, the Comfy Cozy Witch and I bought one of her little uh, mystery boxes and she sent me this um, moon incense and I'm like, yes, yeah, so much. Or like frankincense incense or I have this one called Wolfsbane because mm -hmm. um, I love wolves. And so I'll light incense and, you know, like kind of just swirl it around my altar space for a minute and then just let it fill my house um, while I'm working on whatever it is I'm working on. And I'll just put, you know, my little deity statue right there for me. And, yeah. you know, so you don't have to always do it through, um, you know, like drawing down a circle and inviting them into your home. Like it, at the end of the day, spells are just like prayers. Like you're just putting that energy out into the universe of saying, this is what I want. 
and you know you're calling upon that deity to to help you but you have to put forth that effort because they're not just going to give it to you so little things in your life every day today when you really stop to think about it if you do it with that intention in mind you're still working with your deity that way yeah oh my gosh I don't know what it is but like when you said spells are prayers I legitimately got like goosebumps and I could feel some activity like in my throat area just that like that resonated so much as truth for me like I, I really felt that and then I yeah I've never had that perspective before which is funny because I feel like a lot of my branding and things that I'll say in my business is like you know it's magic in the mundane it's like small little moments but it wasn't until you said like you know one way to like honor Frigga is just just being a mom like you kind of just exist and our entire existence is kind of like a way to honor divinity to mm -hmm. move through the day with an intention. It, it makes me think about something that I say a lot, which is that like, you can't help but live your natal chart. Like you yeah. can be completely unconscious of astrology, but you can't help but live your chart. You can't help but be influenced by like the planetary magic. And I just heard that reflected in what you shared as well. Like we, it's kind of like, we can't, we can't help but be divine and spiritual beings engaged in worship, but it's the awareness that we give to it that really makes the difference and kind of helps us maybe like accelerate manifestations or more meaningfully work through that shadow work. But like just by existing, we are so magical. And I don't know. I love that. I think that's really beautiful. It's, it's so true though. And you've said that in, in quite a few of your podcasts and I've heard you say it uh, time and time again, and it is so true. Um, like it, you know, having the moon as my ruler, I'm like, I'm attracted to wolves. The moon's mm -hmm. been a big part of my life. Um, I went purposely out and I bought a planner that has moons on it. So every week when you do your weekly staff meetings, I'm writing meticulous yes. notes because I'm so fascinated with just how are things going to align? Yeah. Like, yeah, there are some things that I can control. So like you mentioned one day of like, oh, this is a really good day to have meetings with stakeholders. So I purposely scheduled a meeting with my CEO that day, you know, and it turned out to be a phenomenal meeting. Mm. Um, but there are other things that you would talk about. Like there was one day in June um, where you were talking about how with the planets, it was just going to be a very slow and depressing day and a riff that we had been planning um, that we knew was coming down the pipeline had gotten pushed back and pushed back and it landed on that day. Oh man. And just little things like that. So it got me going. So I, you know, I was just put, I had a paper calendar. So I went and bought a whole planner <laughs> just because I'm like, this is so fascinating. And, you know, I, so I write down all the notes and then I write down, you know, like what happened, not just at work, but like in our daily lives. And um, like, I think two weeks ago, you were talking about, you know, big noise, it was going to be big, big noise, big week. Um, and that was my finals week for my last semester. And it was insane. It was like hell week. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my gosh. And um, it just is so fascinating how when you stop to really look at it, you do see just how it, it happens, whether you believe it or not, it yeah. really does just happen to you, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, which was, what was it? It was something else too. Um, oh, the whole like Fear Factory thing. Like I've, oh, um, yeah. I've worked at, so I worked at Fear Factory, which is a local haunted house here in Salt Lake. And this is my 10th year with them. 
and I love them. They've been such a wonderful place. They got me through some very difficult times in my life, um, but I've now been doing um, a lot of the makeup, and I thought it was very funny that you said something about how um, it was something about Venus and how Venus is like beauty and creativity in the work that I do. And I think my Venus is in Aries, which yeah. is ruled by Mars. So the gory makeup is a very Venus thing in a Mars sign. And I went, oh my gosh, yeah. making <laughs> like, blood artistic. <laughs> like how crazy is that? And yeah, just little, little things like that, that really shine through and resonate and you know, I've been able to teach some of my siblings a little bit more about it too, of understanding like you are so much more than just your sun sign. You know, you have to take into consideration where your moon's at. You have to yeah. take into consideration, you know, where your rising is and where your other houses lie. And I'm like, this is the the value of actually going and talking to an astrologer because they've designated their whole life learning about this stuff. And we can spend forever going down this rabbit hole and we're still not going to know as much as they do so oh well and even being like a practicing professional astrologer like I still feel that way like I have um an astrology mentor and even with her like years and I mean like a, over a decade now practicing like it's so valuable just to just to bring someone in yeah. that knows a little bit more than you or has a different perspective than you just to get that clarity and I'm trying to remember Heather like your acceptance into grad school, I think, also fell on, like, a very significant Aries yes. moment. And I'm trying to remember what that was, but I remember being like, uh, this day is going to be something, and then that was the day that you got accepted. That happened twice, and it was very interesting because we were... Jupiter was in Aries. Yes, it was. It was when Jupiter hit Aries. Um, so it was very interesting because you and I, um, I had, you know, we were doing um, some kind of a reading and you gave me some very specific dates to watch out for. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to watch. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. And ironically, like when that happened, I had been looking, I'd been on the job hunt. And when that day hit, I had been interviewed and then we, oh, where is it? I wrote it all down. I should bring it. Um, it, was, it was like, so fascinating. Listeners can't see my face, but I'm like having so many facial reactions because I'm like, that's right. Like, I remember this now. I wrote it all down because I was so fascinated by it. It was insane. So it was like, I think December 20th is the day you told me to watch out for. And so on like the 19th, I got a call from a recruiting firm. And then um, on the 20th, um, we had found out like that this payroll had messed up some things and there was like a week of regular pay that didn't get paid out. So we were going crazy about that. And then we got a complaint and this was at a prior company that I worked for. And we got a complaint about like bed bugs and we had complaints about, oh, um, com like employees coming in. So it was just a crazy day. Um, and then on the 21st, my current company reached out and was like, Hey, we'd like to give this, um, you know, we'd like to interview with you. And, um, so then like the very next day I had like three other interviews and then I had an interview the day after that. And then like a week later I got the job offer and I ended up signing the job offer right before Mercury went into retrograde. Yes, and yes. then my, my first day actually was right after both, both, uh, Uranus and Mercury, um, stationed direct. And it was like, 
like you couldn't have planned it more perfectly right? <laughs> and it was just insane and then we were looking at it going oh my gosh like Jupiter's going into Aries what's going to happen yes and uh, that's when I got the acceptance letter that I had been accepted into uh, my Juris Master's program so I'm like ooh and it's been very interesting because now we've got the North Node and the South Node in the houses that they were in when I was born. Yeah. Um, and so that's been very interesting about like over this next year and a half, like I'm graduating with my master's, I'm going to be taking the LSAT, hopefully getting oh, yeah. accepted into the JD program. And like a whole, there's a, a few other things that I, I can't disclose at the moment, but just yeah. these opportunities that it's just so fascinating how when you stop to look at it, like this is what the astrology weather's doing and look at everything that's like lining up. It's, it's crazy. It's just absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's something that I do find really brilliant about astrology as a, as a tool is that it's in one part and this is more recently, like, and when I say recently, I mean like 1960s to now recently, but um, it's really like this tool for personal exploration you know we can look at your Libra moon in the fourth and being the chart ruler and we can start to say these things about it you know Venus being the ruler of your um sun and your moon and it being in the 10th house like I mean all these different things that we can talk about what that means for you as an individual how that might influence your career decisions but then because astrology is ultimately a calendar and it's a way for us to observe the passing of time you can bring in more of that perspective of like, when might this happen? Um, and how will I feel about it? Or what might yes. I do with this information? And your chart is such a fun one for that, just because of the concentration. And yeah, you're going to be having the eclipses in your 10th and your fourth. So like major transformations happen yeah. in careers when you see the eclipse axis on that. I think especially for you, like mid to late um timing of the north and south node being in Aries and Libra will be especially activating just because of like where you have things placed but anyways I you know yeah. I could talk about astrology just like all day any I, I, do, I literally I, do talk about astrology all day and I love day. it because I have found that especially with my practice like learning more about my chart has helped me understand key things of why I've been drawn to them in my practice mm -hmm. and realizing that that's how I'm honoring my chart. And so I think that that is a very valuable tool for young witches to have, especially when you're starting to get into the craft yourself. Um, and you don't, and, and a lot of us are still in the broom closet, right? Like I am yeah. very blessed that I just came in and said, Hey, this is who I am. Uh, what's up? And, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got people in my office that are like, Oh my gosh, I want to learn about that. You know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's still not something you advertise so much. So I think, Really, when you're starting to get new into the craft, the the best thing you can do is to learn about you. And if you don't know where to start, start looking at your birth chart. Start looking at where things are at and let things just resonate with you and learn more. Um, there's lots of, of resources out there that you can do. But then, you know, even taking that that step of investing into, like, if you are a career witch, you know, working with a vocational astrologer, um, yeah. you know, having your readings done and starting to get that deeper dive into it because things are going to start coming to you. And the nice part about 
the craft now is that there's really no right or wrong way to practice it. You know, like I still love reading um, books about paganism. I'm very drawn to the earth, um, but I do not have a green thumb. I have got like three succulents in my window right now that I am floored are still alive because <laughs> I usually like I've killed a mint plant. Okay. I am not, oh, sure. <laughs> I'm not a green witch at all, but my daughter you know, is all about it. Like she is the epitome of a green witch and, you know, she's all about saving our earth. And mm. I'm like, Oh, my cute little hippie, yeah. you know, yeah. she's <laughs> she just, she's starting her own earth club at her school, you know, it's, but it's that beautifulness of accepting that that's who you are and yeah. your kids might be different. Your significant other might be different, but having that safe space to even explore it um, really helped. And it's, it's quite, it's quite fascinating once you get into those conversations. Yeah. Something that I think, and I don't know if I've ever said this to your face, maybe I think I have, but one thing that I think you do really well, Heather, is you have your chart, but you have like worked that into your kind of like professional branding really clearly, like having Aries in the 10th and having so much going on in Aries in the 10th house. And you have been like a guest speaker at a few different like HR events and conferences and your like speech that you give is very Aries in <laughs> nature and is it still titled like um intro to HR like going from zero to 60? Yeah, that was the original one um, I'm actually rebranding re it for this conference um and I I'm gonna say it because I'm pretty sure this is gonna come out once it's already been announced, but yeah, it'll it's, be after the conference. Um, it's entitled uh, "Crystal Skulls Aren't Crystal Balls: uh, A Beginner's yeah. Guide to HR." So you yes. know, still keeping to very much me, because um, the other things I was thinking about, like was very much uh they were already taken so I was like dang it yeah. <laughs> but, for people that don't yeah. know so Heather and I we met because we are both representatives on an HR board for our state and our state conference this year is themed Indiana Jones and so the Crystal Skulls is the fourth Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf LaBeau whatever so yeah, Crystal LaBeouf. Skulls yeah but then Crystal Balls it's very witchy and even like just the, the perspective of like I watched you give the first speech, like the zero to 60 is just very, mm. very Aries of like, get in there and go and figure yeah. it out. And even the same, like, you know, you have this really good way of acknowledging, like, you're a beginner and HR is intense, but like, don't freak out. It's okay. Yeah. Here, here's all the things that you can do in that beginner energy. And actually the quote that you shared on the intake form, I ask every one of my guests, like, you know, what's a quote that inspires you? And you shared from um, Arnold Tony B that nothing fails like success. And like, yeah. damn, that is such like an Aries perspective. <laughs> it gets even worse. <laughs> so that, um, that quote was actually written in a foreword that was written by Stephen R. Covey. Oh, and okay. I think, I don't think it's this book. Um, so it was either Crucial Conversations, um, but I think it was in the book called How to Get Anyone to Say Yes. Ooh, um, okay. And the How to Get Anyone to Say Yes is a book written by a uh, hostage negotiator. Mm -hmm. um, and... It was just fascinating, but it may be this one because I know Stephen R. Covey wrote in this one too. 
Um, but one of the two, they're both amazing books, by the way. If you have not read them, you absolutely should. Um, oh, no, it is this one. It is Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When the Stakes Are High. Oh. And um, yeah, it's it, he summarizes all of history, not only society, but of institutions and of people in four words, which is nothing feels like success. So when a challenge in life is met um, by a response that is equal to it and you have success, we've, it's awesome. But then something changes. There's a shift. The planets change. The situation changes. You have new people enter into the field. And then at that point, that success has then failed. So you need to learn again. Um, and so we're in that constant cycle of success and failure where we are yeah. constantly learning, um, constantly growing. You know, you never want to you you never want to just be stuck in one of those for very long, right? We're all going yeah. to fail. We're all going to succeed because we're going to grow and we're going to learn. And then we're going to have new experiences. And I that hit me so hard when I read it. Um, and it, it's been on my wall for years. Cause it was like, oh, okay. It made, it made failure, not a bad thing, you know? And it was failure, not just, you know, in my spiritual life, um, it failure in not being able to like do the ritual the right way or yeah. do the spell the right way. It was, you know, I wasn't able to handle this situation at work the right way. I didn't handle this conflict the right way. I didn't handle this conversation with my spouse the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was just applicable to every aspect of life. And when I got started in my HR career, I was an HR department of one and I had three states, 450 employees, and it was me. Yeah, <laughs> It was just me. And so when you get thrown to the wolves and you're fed to the fire like that, there's a lot of new to HR people or, or even people that are, have been in it for so long that just haven't had those experiences that they just don't know what to look for. Yeah. I love, I got like a very, very clear visual when you said thrown to the wolves and fed to the fire. <laughs> I feel like I knew what that smelled like when you said it, but it's true. And like something that, again, like I know your chart and I've looked at your chart with you before, but anyone who's familiar with like what you shared already, having moon and Libra ascendant in cancer and then a lot happening in Aries and we're creating like a, a T in your chart and these opportunities for oppositions as well as squares, which are moments mm. of tension. And so I feel like just knowing that like limited piece of like your chart, we're able to delineate that like you're someone who ha like can face challenge and that's what those oppositions and those squares are. They're moments of tension and that tension of like, this might feel like a failure, which sometimes people will freeze when that happens, right? Yeah. I said the wrong thing at work and now I am paralyzed and I need to quit and I can't show up the next day and I'm so embarrassed. And I feel like for me anyways, I make an ass of myself almost every day that I'm at work. And I'm just constantly like failing forward, but that's what, but that's what happens when you're in innovative environments, when you have a willingness to just try something and to risk failure. Mm -hmm. um, that's what it's all about. It's being able to recognize that we all are going to feel the energy of an opposition or a square, either because we were born with it inherently or because by transit, that's what we go through, but being able to recognize that everything is just like a moment and it's not going to last forever and don't let it 
keep you down. Like it's an invitation mm-hmm. to come at it from another angle, to, to push forward, to like be resilient through it. Absolutely. And I found that was something that kind of hit me as you were talking was I remembered when we first met and uh, I let you know what my top three were and you were sitting there like just kind of looking confused. And then when we looked at my chart, you were like, oh, that's where the Aries is. Okay. Like, <laughs> like right. There's so much because my my son is Taurus and it's in the 11th house. And, you know, so all yeah. of my earth signs are in the houses of community and groups, yeah. um, which I thought was very interesting because I've always been like, I have a very close knit circle of people. Yeah. Um, you know, like I don't have, I never, I didn't grow up with a lot of girlfriends because girls were super catty and, yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, I just didn't want that, you know, so I've got some of my best friends in the world are guys and, you know, like my, my best friend that I've known since like the sixth grade, he's, he's a guy, you know, and it's, it was um, just something that I thought was very interesting where how much of, again, like I've always branded myself as a Taurus. I'm like, yeah, I'm the stubborn bull, mm. you know, um, and it wasn't until I fully started looking at my own chart and understanding myself, that's when it just started to click and yep. it clicked in, in everything that I do from, you know, how I love to share with people, the passion that I have for what I do, you know, Libra being the scales of justice, you know, really feeling like I needed to work with Athena. My house is, you know, my, my whole life and my practice is ruled by the moon. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, yep, here we go. Like, here we this go. Is, this is just it. I'm finally like, like the train's been going for a while. I just haven't, I've been in like the caboose or something, like not yeah, understanding what's looking happening. Looking out the window, not realizing the train. Yeah. Going. So it was just very interesting to, to figure that out. And I think that that's honestly, that's been um, some really good advice that I've given some younger witches before where they're like, well, how do you do this? How did you know this? Um, yeah. Cause I, I've got like my, my neighbor, actually, she's another HR witch. Um, She's brand new to this, but you know, she's just getting into it. And, you know, that was kind of the advice I was telling her is just go with what feels right, you know, like, and, and telling her to, you know, go look at at her astrology chart and Mm -hmm. see if that helps provide her some guidance. Cause it really is like, pun intended, the North star, you know, where it really can provide you with some really good guidance. And, um, that's what led me to like working with my ancestral lands, you know, like homes, a big, you know, I work a lot of home magic, um, you know, and it all kind of tied in really nicely, uh, to where even like, I found that there was a type of witch called an augury witch. Um, and me this. I was so fascinated by it, um, where they are all about divination, like in all forms. So runes, um, the ogum, which is the Celtic runes, essentially. And they wrote them on uh, little tree branches instead of stones. Yeah. Um, They did a lot of signs. So like when, you know, you give those um, explaining your dreams or omens Uh and things like Uh that, you know, like there's a lot of crows around my house. And every so often on just the odd day, there's this massive raven that just drops around. And so I'm like, <laughs> hello, like what's <laughs> happening today? Yes. You're coming to me for a reason. Um, and it's a Germanic. And like my my grandmother came over, she immigrated from Germany in the fifties. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, Germany in, in my history as well. So it's like, oh, okay. It was just, it's just fascinating how you can go down these. Um, they're like spider web 
rabbit holes. It's like mm. a rabbit hole that's in the shape of a spider web. You just never know where it's going to take you. And it always yeah. ends up bringing to light something new and fascinating that you're like, Ooh, yes. yes. And I love that you use the spider web analogy. Cause I was thinking like, there's so many like threads to follow. And that's one thing that again, like and listeners are hearing this from you now, but it's so fun being your friend and like having you in, in my life because um, it's, it's interesting to hear how all of the pieces could sit in isolation, but how you see the, the thread that connects them all and really brings it all together of like, it's this entire experience. It's like this entire lifestyle. The magic doesn't happen only when we're sitting down underneath a full moon in front of our altar in a silent Mm -hmm. space. It's like, it's all around us all of the time. And it's just about tuning in to notice it. Heather, I didn't prep you for this question. So I'm sorry about like putting you on the spot, but I was thinking, I was having a conversation um, with one of my HR colleagues in my day job earlier. And I would really love to get your take on it. We were talking about, they were asking about like my transition out of the faith and Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, what, what happened and like why and, and all this stuff. And, And we started talking about their relationship with it and kind of where they're at now. And I reflected back to them. I just said, you know, I really appreciate being able to have this conversation because so often I find that when I, when, when people's in the workplace and we're HR, so we know a lot about this, but like when people in the workplace start talking about belief, it's one of those things where all of a sudden, like your HR, like sensors pick up and you're like, oh, this is potentially an issue because so often like our belief system is so personal to us that when we hear someone with an opposing perspective, it's really easy to become defensive or to become competitive and to engage in some type of like conflict because people don't believe in the same thing. And it's such a big part of our life. It's such a big part of our life. I mean, it's the way that we parent. It's the way that we prepare food. It's the way that we clean our home. It's the way that we connect and make friends. It's the way that we understand who we are and why we're here and what we're meant to be doing. And so when we talk about like bringing our whole selves to work, when we talk about creating cultures of inclusion and belonging and diversity, belief system is so much a part of that. And it's still one of those things that's extremely taboo to talk about in the workplace. And you do not disclose your beliefs in the U.S. anyways. I know in some countries you do disclose your religion um, in on your resume, actually. But in the United States, that's definitely not a practice. And it's like a protected part of your identity that, you know, again, like the reason why HR, like our, our senses go off is because we could be sued for discrimination and stuff like that. But, but being, you know, an HR witch, being someone who sees the opportunity to invite magic and spirituality into every like moment, what's like your hot take on talking about like belief at work and yeah, like what's, what's going on? What's your perspective on that? So I don't have a short answer for this, but it's kind of a roundabout. Um, And it comes back to, so I love the Clifton Strengths Finder. Um, Me too. <laughs> I know. It's so good. Oh, I talk about it all the time. Um, and one of my top five is Harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, Did we and... do that together? Did we do the Strengths Finder together? No, but I've I've done it and I want to. Okay. So okay. it's on my bucket list for us yes. to do because I'm very curious about your take on That's that. That's right. Okay, yeah. Um, but one of my top five, so I've got... Um, 
it would take me a minute to remember all of them, but I know that my number one is the restorative. And I think it's my third one that is the harmonious. And then my fifth is significance. Yes. And so like, um, and then there's one, one that's like consistency and then one that's um, futuristic. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my top five, um, not necessarily in that order, but I know that for, for me, um, when I, I'm a firm believer, and this is an unpopular opinion, um, but we're trying to change the way that HR is seen at work. And I'm a big believer that the way, you know, everyone says, well, HR is only there to protect the company. Well, yes, we are. And we are there to do that by making sure that the companies treat everyone fairly and equally and be consistent in our fairness. And that comes in with allowing everyone to come to work as their authentic self to where they feel comfortable, they feel welcome, and they can just be them. Because when a, when a person is able to bring their whole self to work, they perform better, they're a better teammate, they're a better manager, they're a better worker, like they have better productivity levels, like the whole nine yards. So I've always found that celebrating those different cultures, those different religions is very important. And that's not something you see a whole lot in the workplaces. Um, I've been very blessed to work in environments where we have had such the crazy diversity Um and I actually grew up with um, a kid that they were the atypical, you know, Caucasians, but they were Muslim. Mm -hmm. And so even in high school, like I was used to like watching the clock and saying, oh, hey, you need to go, you know, like bookie your butt over to, they had this little tiny room yeah. that didn't have windows or anything, but they had to go in there to do their prayers. Yeah. Um, and so that was something that was just normal, you know, and you know, we taught, we also had like a ton of Samoans um, and, and Polynesians and their culture being very matriarchal. And, and a lot of times religion and culture were very much intertwined. Yeah. Um, and it was very, I was very blessed to grow up to see that, you know, like I have a very eclectic family. And even though we are very, you know, my, my family itself and even Utah is very much one main faith at the same time there are other faiths present and I think that it's very important to understand and I'm hoping that maybe someday the corporate culture will be able to change from like not everybody celebrates Christmas mm -hmm. not everybody celebrates Thanksgiving mm -hmm. um, you know because I would I worked in a position a while ago where I would get complaints all the time about how oh here comes this this holiday. Um, and so we're going to have all these people ask to call off because of that, you know, but that's why we have PTO. And if they want to take it off, they should take it off with their PTO. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so but how is that fair? Like yeah. if, if we're over somewhere else and that's when they give their days off and we want to take Christmas off, how does that work? You know, like yeah. I... I give gifts year round. I mean, we celebrate those traditional basic holidays because that's what the U.S. does, Yeah, you know, but like Halloween is my holy day, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
Um, but I like to celebrate because um, I do observe the the Sabbaths and the Sabbaths and, you know, the solstices and equinoxes and things like that. I, I love those. Like Mabin to Yule is like my time of the year. Like, Preach. well, really Lunasa through because it's like, this is my time. Yeah. But I, I loved being able to talk to them about well, what do you guys do? You know, I mean, what if it's Hanukkah? You know, what if it's Ramadan? Like, what what is it that you guys do? Because when you understand their holidays, their religion, yeah. what they preach, you understand them better. And that translates into that DEI. You know, we, we even had this conversation the other day um, with one of my, my, our really good friend, Gabby, actually. Yeah, I love Gabby. Me with, Oh, she, she, she learned me so good. She said this and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, so she's Hispanic and she was telling me that when you go out to talk to Hispanics about benefits or about certain things, like you can't approach it the same way you would approach all your other employees because of their culture differences. Mm -hmm. Um, like we work with a lot of Bosnians, you want them to get something done, you bring in their spouse. That's Mm -hmm. who runs the household. That's who gets things done. Um, Hispanics don't work like that. You have to bridge it differently. So by talking about their different religions, talking about their different cultures, talking about their different faith systems, you learn more about them. And from an HR perspective, you're able to learn how you can best support them in showing up as their authentic self in that workplace. And yeah, I'm thinking, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just, that's, yeah, it's, it just kind of leaves that air of like, wah. And I I appreciate, like, something that you called out. It was crossing my mind, the idea of, like, we, in, like, DE&I effort, the way that I've seen it anyways. And this is not something, like, I mean, some people, this is, like, relatively new to their industry. But, like, I feel like I started learning about, like, DE&I stuff in, like, undergrad, right? Like, this just started coming up in, like, psychology and stuff like that. But we we talk about diversity and we talk almost exclusively about gender, age, and ethnicity, Mm -hmm. but we don't often talk about belief or, you know, other things. And so then you start conflating the two, like so much of culture is driven by belief, Mm -hmm. but we don't ever touch on belief. We go straight to culture and, you know, working for organizations. I've worked for a lot of organizations that um, will get recognition for being diverse workplaces, but then we'll also get like comments on, you know, don't serve beef on Fridays. Like that's like a part of my, like, I don't eat red meat on Fridays or something, but like, this is all that you offer in the cafe or or something like that. Um, Not having enough quiet rooms. Like, you know, we'll have like a mother's lounge, but we won't have like a prayer room or something like that. And it is. It's one of those things, as you were talking to, I started thinking about the way that we do intake in HR. And everyone who's listening, who's ever had like a big formal job, you know, that part of what you fill out as a new hire is we ask you your um, birth date. We have to know because legally we have to make sure that, you know, if you're in a, a class, a protected class, that we're approaching it that way, or that we're protecting you in that way, that we're keeping you and the company safe. But um, we're starting to offer more, you know, opportunities for gender identity. You can see that you don't disclose or that you like, you know, it's undefined or something like that. Sexual orientation is kind of similar, although it's kind of weird that we ask that personally. Like, I think that's weird. And we'll, we'll ask you to identify your ethnicity, but we don't ask about belief system. When 
in reality, that's the most important thing. Like, because again, that's how you raise your children. It's how you make decisions. Mm-hmm. And knowing your ethnicity doesn't mean automatically that you're embedded in the culture, especially when there's varying degrees of it. But also I was thinking about you and I, like, let's just pretend like five years from now, the world has evolved a little bit and they do start asking around like your belief system to say, you know, we also have diversity of thought. We have diversity of belief and we have diversity of like practice, but I don't have one specific one. And, and I feel like, is there going to be a future where we don't ask about ethnicity anymore because everyone is so deeply connected to their ancestral lineages that we recognize how the majority of the U.S. is mi- like we have a mixed ancestry, and yeah. do we not ask about, um, uh, you know, like sexual orientation because I don't know, like everyone's on this Kinsey scale somewhere, and like we don't ask about belief because everyone's belief is so varied. Even saying that I'm like a Catholic or not, like there's varying degrees of worship. It just it's I think it's such an interesting thing when we talk about. HR and we talk about the future of work and and we consider just like how complex humans are and it makes me wonder like what what will it be like when we are in a place where organizations and employment law has caught up to kind of like where a lot of the collective conscious is right now which is a lot more holistic I don't know it's something that kind of hit me. Um, so when I was coming out of high school, we had a lot of my friends join the Marines. Mm. And something the military does is on your dog tags, they put what your faith is. Mm. They identify your faith. And um, my friend jokingly said it was so they knew who to call in the event you were dying so you could confess your lessons. <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> but I like I, I had a it. feeling like there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and I thought that was really cool that they're they're recognizing them as a person. Like it's it's a little unique thing that they can do in that kind of an institution, um, which I thought was interesting. But I I completely agree. I think it's interesting how like at the end of the day, you know, when you're looking at the world of work, it doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter how old you are. It all that matters is can you perform the job to the specs that it is. And that should be the basis of why you're hired. But once you get there, you are a person, you have a family, you have a belief system, you have all these things. And we would have, um, we had a bunch of guys that I used to work with that were from Iran and Iraq, and they would bring in these, the most amazing food Mm -hmm. that was super authentic to them. And, you know, just seeing how really like at the end of the day, when they're asking for some of these things, like, um, this kind of pulls in like the ADA and reasonable accommodations, um, you know, as part of their prayer systems. I can't remember what it's called. It was like a woo or something, or I I don't want to misstate it, but they have a a ritual before their prayers where they have to wash their hands. They have to wash their feet. And there is a whole section in Ask Jan about making sure like you can provide them with ways to do that as long as it's safe. Like if it's not safe, then we can, you know, make some other adjustments and things like that. But just being able to do small things like that you know, where at the end of the day, like they're not imposing their religion on you. That's just who they are. It's their faith. They absolutely have every right to do it. And we had one gentleman that was very proud of his religion and would blast it all over his car. And he was so excited. 
and I'd have other people come in and be like, uh, I don't feel comfortable with that. And I'd look at them and say, well, are you comfortable with the, um, you know, I'm a, my son's a return missionary or um, the coexist bumper stickers and things mm -hmm. like that. And they were like, well, those are fine. I'm like, it's no different. Yeah. Like it's, it's just... absolutely no different. Yeah. Be like, at the end of the day, every religion has their radicals and they can give the religion a bad name. But if that person is, that's just who, part of who they are, you can't judge them based on these bad things that other people have done because that's not who they are. Yeah. You need yeah. to celebrate them and help them be able to come to work as themselves. And if they're that proud of who they are, props to them, like, yeah. get it, you know, like that's, that's per perfectly fine. It's not going to affect my ability to do my job or the workplace. So exactly get it, you it's know, the balance of mitigating risk mm -hmm. while also unleashing the human potential yeah. of your employees because that's the sweet spot that every business needs to be like scalable and sustainable and successful is to eliminate risk where you can and allow your people to work like really do their best work and like you said mm -hmm. earlier like that comes with bringing your whole self to the yeah. office sorry I know that I got like a little bit like tangential but I was like you know this <laughs> I've been chewing on this for a minute and you're a witch and and we're in HR so let's talk about this but let me let me come back because Heather the other thing that I really love about you and the other reason why I like I love having you in my life is you have this ability to find like witchy tools like the decks the journals you got another one recently that had like stickers in it and I feel like um I always like lean to you on like the shops to go to or like where to go find like different books or something so I'm dying to know what are the tools that you've either gotten recently that you're obsessed with or what are the ones that you're like oh my gosh like I think that every beginner or every witch would like just love to have this like, like let's do some like promo right now like, like what are you using what are your tools right now um oh my goodness so I am an oracle deck junkie mm -hmm. um I am obsessed uh it's almost as bad as my hoodie addiction like it's bad <laughs> okay no so... it's good so if anyone has listened to my podcast episode with Hope King who's a tarot reader we were talking on that episode about the Samhain oracle deck and I was like, my friend, like, got this for me, and it's a beautiful deck, and and you are that friend. So anyone who listened to that episode, <laughs> this is the woman that gave me my Samhain Oracle deck and introduced me actually to that artist and to that entire series. So I loved it so much. So there's we have this super cute little shop, but honestly, Amazon is phenomenal. Um, but I love those authors. I wish I could remember their names. Um, mm. but they've done a Samhain deck. They've done, um, they just released their Maben deck and Maben's a really good one. Um, and it's just all fall and it's like orange and it's gorgeous. And I love like their Yule one. So I have those three. Um, I think there's a couple more out, but they are absolutely wonderful. Um, the Seasons got, of the Witch. Yes. Yeah. Them. Juliet Diaz remember. and Lorraine... 
Anderson. I just Googled it. Right? Yes, yes. Yes. Um, And I loved it. And I thought it was so sweet. They released one of their first decks and realized that there was a lack of diversity in their drawings. So they issued like a public apology and they fixed it. And so it's, and it's just wonderful. So I'm obsessed with those. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently have discovered some decks that um, is a moon magic deck. That was um. awesome that I got. Um, I love books. I love, love books. So I have like moon astrology books and books on my my deities, like my goddesses. Um, I've got one on Hecate. My daughter is big with Bridget, which is a Celtic deity mm-hmm. of the arts. Um, and she's an artist and she's a singer. So she likes to read about her. Um, I'm very attracted to like kind of those darker goddesses. Yeah. Um, so I'm learning more about them. Um, so I would say definitely books are awesome. Um, and books about whatever you're into really like just start reading about it. Um, and, and just checking it out, go to your local library. There's a ton there. Mm -hmm. Um, the Oracle decks are huge for me. Um, I also got like Woodland Wardens is another Oracle deck that just hit me like a ton of bricks because it's got a coyote and a wolf on the front of it. And I was like, whoa, like hello. Um, and it had Ivy on it, which Ivy is a big thing for me. So those are big. I have, um, I have more Oracle decks than tarot decks. Cause I actually have, um, I have three tarot decks. I have the Favoli, which is the one that, um, Victoria Francis did. Um, and it's a little different. It doesn't go the typical, you know, cups, swords, uh, pentacles, wands it does like masks and roses Mm. and um crosses so I did find a a tarot book that I actually got on Amazon that really resonated with me and I really I refer to that quite a bit um but the dark woods tarot is one that I just barely got and I'm absolutely obsessed with it I keep it in my purse and that's actually the one that's in my purse right now um And just because I love my card decks, if you guys have never heard of Moonlit Fay, she makes these super cute little bags. That are some of them are zips, some of them are like snaps, but they are super super cute. I found her on Instagram and she's on Etsy. Um, and so as soon as one hits me, I'll go get it and use it for just my cards. But um, yeah, the Dark Woods Tarot is my current tarot deck of choice. Um, I'll use my Favoli when I'm reading for others, um, which yeah, is fun. You, you read for me one time with the Favoli deck. And actually, you introduced me to Victoria Francis, and I bought, I gifted an Oracle card to, or an Oracle deck to one of my other friends at your recommendation. What I'll have to do is I'll list out in the show notes. We'll get together before this airs, and we'll link yeah. some of your preferred decks and some of your preferred vendors. Yeah, I I love them. And then otherwise, it's more like I like to have um, symbols and representations. So like I'm obsessed with um, incense. Incense yeah. is an easy tool to have. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a nice representation. I'm also very woodsy. Like I love earth things. So my house has already got like tr- like little pine tree things and mm-hmm. antlers and things like that to that can be representative of other things. So you know, again, as just a chaos witch, it's one of those things where whatever, whatever feels right to you. Yeah. Do, you know, if, if it resonates with you for some reason, and you may not even realize it at the time, because I have a bad habit of just buying things. Um, I had like five or six Oracle decks that I don't even know why I bought them. I still have one 
that I don't use. It doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't hit me the right way, but I know it's meant for someone. So eventually I will figure out who that is. But mm-hmm. till then, yeah. So I would say like my tools, my go-to tools are definitely my Oracle decks, um, my cards. And I love having the variety because each card deck speaks to something different. So if I'm feeling like I'm at a crossroads or I'm feeling the person I'm reading for is, is not sure what direction to go, I have a maps Oracle deck. So I'll pull that one out and just see what it says. Um, you know, the, the Yule deck that we get, it just screams gratitude for me. Like when you go through the cards, like the overall theme of it is just a very gratitude feeling. Um, so that's really cool. So, I mean, every deck that you look at is very, it has its own flavor and as you work more with them and it gets to know your energy and you get to know its energy, you'll know when to use it. So those have been really honestly the ones that I, the tools that I use the most um, in anything that I, I research in, like my internet is, oh my gosh, I have an entire one drive designated to all of my research because <laughs> I love to learn. Um, yes, you're so good at it. And podcasts, podcasts. Yeah. There's so many good ones out there. And um, one of the things actually that I really, really appreciate about yours is that when you first get into a lot of these podcasts, they can spend the first 15 to 20 minutes of it um, giving them updates from their lives. And I know that's how they're connecting with their audience. Um, but in a lot of it, they're sharing like their political beliefs or they're sharing um, some other things that just don't necessarily have anything to do with the topic that you're trying to learn on. Um, it's more like, hey, we're girlfriends and we got together and we're just going to gab. And it doesn't really get to the meat and potatoes of what they're going to teach you about. Yeah. So you kind of have to skip forward. And so I love that with um, like the way that you have yours set up, you still have that integration of conversation, but you're still getting to the point of whatever it is that you're advertising that you're talking about. So yeah. like your weekly staff meetings are very structured and it's wonderful. Um, you know, when I listen to um, your interviews that you've got on there so far, like they've all been a joy to listen to um, because you're really getting to know um, them and and what they're about and their different experiences, which is really nice. Um, so, but podcasts can definitely be, I think I listen to about 30 different spiritual witchy podcasts, just depending, yeah. um, cause they have their pros and cons. So it's like, yeah. I really don't feel like I want to listen to this one today. So I'm going to go over here and they all talk about different things. Um, it was actually, that's why I started working with Aphrodite yeah. was because of a podcast. Um, she just kind of hit me head on of, you know, Aphrodite's not the goddess that we think that she is. There's so much more to her. Mm. And so this is where we're at. And it's like a nine minute podcast. And I think I've listened to it like 10 times. It's so good. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I just need more. That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, and thank you for that feedback on my podcast. That was really nice to hear. I appreciate it. Cool. Well, Heather, we'll wrap up here. Thank you again so much for making the time. I know that we've had to go back and forth on our calendars, but again, that's the life of HR. (laughs) (laughs) If it's not been one of us, it's been the other. It's like, we'll get this eventually. Exactly. And we did. And we did. And we got it. And so super excited to share you with the Corporate Coven. You've been so important in 
my life and my confidence with moving forward and like again like before I was I mean this was years ago but you did like a tarot reading for me with like help figuring out stuff in my business so you are just like super important to me and to my practice and to my business and I appreciate you I'm just I'm so excited to see where you've come we still need to go celebrate for your 100th episode because I remember I still have all of the notes of when we first started talking about the podcast and I'm over here going I don't know how I can sustain this and you're like can I just go with it and I'm like go run like do it and here you are now over 100 episodes and it's doing so well and yeah I was, I was kind of going through my notes the other day going, oh, look at, look at her go. Like, oh, I was yeah. so proud of you. And I'm I like, that's epic. It. it feels good. It feels really good. And you've been a big support. So I appreciate that. All right, team. Well, I will post Heather's socials, how to get connected, um, how to follow, especially if you want to be supportive and explore her as she's moving forward in her career in law, which is very exciting. I know I'm very grateful that the world of work has people like Heather working in it. And we'll go search out some of like the decks that she referenced and we'll make sure to list links if you want to explore the artist or purchase any of the decks. We'll put those in the show notes before this airs. All right, Heather, see you later. Thanks. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. Before we wrap up this mystical journey, I would invite you to share your feedback on the episode and leave a rating for the Corporate Coven podcast. If you found value in this content, share it with another witch at work. With over 100 episodes, there is a lot more cosmic career advice to be explored. Until next time, may your ventures be guided by the stars, and may you remember that you hold the power to manifest the extraordinary. I'll see you in the next episode.